Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I would not think Kristen Stewart and Princess Diana in the but, same. But it works. She, she's the really? best thing about it. Well, I'm thinking of going down to the Avalon and seeing it uh, later this week. Should I? Yeah, why not? Okay, all right. What else you got going? The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. And here we are for another look at the ever-changing world of entertainment. I'm Arch Campbell, and I'm here with Lou Katz in the control room. Manning the buttons, <laughs> cranking the dials. Does that make any sense? It's the man behind the Katz podcasting system <laughs> and a very important guy to us. Thanks for making this possible. And both of us are excited because today we get a chance to talk to our longtime partner and dear friend, Jen Cheney of New York Magazine and Vulture.com. And Jen, uh, so good to see you again. Great to see both of you. Yeah. Virtually, yes. <laughs> at any rate. And who knows, maybe in person someday soon. You're just back from L.A. and you had an encounter with Henry Winkler. And I want to start by asking you about that. Sure. So um, Vulture has an event every year called Vulture Festival, which mm -hmm. we used to do in New York. And then we started doing in L.A. And last year we did virtually for obvious reasons. Uh, and it's, it's kind of like... Um, our little mini Comic-Con where mm. there are panels and, and events going on throughout the weekend. And I was moderating a couple of panels, including one with Henry Winkler that was called The Winkler Method because it was an acting class. Um, it was like watching him be Gene Cousineau from Barry, <laughs> you know, nicer and, and not self-involved. Uh, and so he and I chatted for a bit and then we called up actors to do either monologues or scenes and Henry would give them feedback and then they'd try it again. And he's just an extraordinary teacher of this. Uh, like he, he would um, give these people in just a few words, the tools they needed to access the emotion of a scene. There was one woman who did a monologue from Antoine Fisher. And after just a little bit of feedback from him, she did it again and she, was, she started crying while she was doing it. It was just remarkable mm. to watch. Well, I have a lot of respect for him, particularly since uh, Barry and uh, because of the longevity of his career and the way he's been able to change and morph and grow and uh, and things like that. So you were in L.A. What's the mood like out there? What's it like there now? I was sort of in a little bubble to some extent being at the festival, which was all at the Roosevelt Hotel. Mm -hmm. But things seemed... I mean, you have to show your vaccination at almost any place you go, restaurants, you know, bars, wherever, but it seemed fairly normal. I mean, uh, the last night I was there, or one of the last nights I was there, they had the premiere for King Richard across the street from, from the Roosevelt. Um, and in fact, Willow and Jaden Smith snuck into VultureFest because mm. <laughs> they wanted to meet <laughs> Seth Rogen. Um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. But um I mean, so they're having their red carpets and, and in-person things. And I know that everybody goes through protocols as we did at, at Vulture Fest as well. But it seemed, it didn't seem unlike it has seemed to me when I've been there in the past. So more like uh, the movie business is percolating again? I mean, to the extent that I could gauge that, yeah. I mean, it, it, it yeah. just, you know, seemed normal. Well, and speaking of the movie business, what are we watching on streaming? <laughs> I've run out of stuff to watch on streaming. Um, so, that is uh, what literally are... impossible. <laughs> Not if you're me. 
what are you recommending these days? Well, a show that just debuted uh, last this past Sunday called Yellow Jackets, which is um, uh, I, I moderated a panel about that show as well at Vulture Festival. It's on Showtime on Sunday nights, and it's kind of a crossbreed of different genres. It's yeah. about a, a girls soccer team, high school soccer team. They're flying to go compete at nationals and their plane goes mm. down. They crash in the wilderness. They have to you know, figure out how to survive and things get pretty um, Lord of the Flies-ish, let's say. I'll never forget the day I heard their plane had gone missing. What do you think really happened out there? All I know is that what happened was a tragedy. But then it's also flashing forward to 25 years after the fact in the present day, as, as some of these girls have grown up into women and are still dealing with the ramifications from, from that whole incident. It's got a great cast, Melanie Linsky, Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, Tawny Cypress, and a, and a bunch of very talented young actors playing them as, as girls. And, um, you know, you put, you, you got a plane crash and some mystery, as you know, uh, yeah. I'm at least partway in. And I think this is a really <laughs> kind of important interesting has, it sounds like a, a few echoes of Lost. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But but I mean, but also coming of age stuff. The you know the all the stuff from uh, the plane crash and prior to it is set in 1996, and they do such a great job of like evoking that era with the music and and cool. all that stuff. Now, the last time I talked to you, I told you that I was suffering through impeachment, and you told me to stick with it. And I want to thank you for that advice because uh, as I got into it, particularly after episode seven, when, uh, when uh, Beanie Feldstein as Monica Lewinsky is uh, entrapped by the FBI, mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was really exciting television. And that was I a great liked, episode. I think that was the, the best episode it, of the series, yeah. And you had said that early on, and of course I was way behind, so I didn't know that. So I wanna thank you for the recommendation. I wasn't wild about the way, about the finale. Yeah. Any thoughts on the finale? Mr. President, Ms. Lewinsky's here to see you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that show has done sort of a disservice for a couple different reasons. One being mm -hmm. that because of the deal that they re uh, made when they started making um, these American crime stories, they don't go right to streaming. So anybody who didn't see it on FX or doesn't subscribe to cable could not watch mm -hmm. it. They won't be able to see it until next year on Netflix, when I, which I predict all of a sudden that people are going to start talking about the show and, and you're going to be like, what? That was on like six or seven months ago. So I think it, it, it wasn't as much a part of the conversation as I anticipated. And I also just think episode seven was such a good episode that the ones that followed couldn't be as good. I thought they missed uh, an opportunity uh, in wrapping up. For instance, uh, you know, Linda Tripp uh, passed away not long before this aired. Yeah. And uh, when I read her obit, I was taken with the fact that she left town, moved to Middleburg, Virginia, and opened a Christmas store, which is part of, of the way they portray her as someone right. who loves Christmas. And I don't know why they didn't at least at the end, you know, kind of update the characters. And, and uh, it's just an irony. I think they... Uh, and and that's the least of the things they miss. There there's some other bigger issues that uh, impeachment opened, particularly uh, the uh, the question of rape that just hangs there. And mm -hmm. so I was I I was glad I watched it, and and I thought it was good advice. Uh, I was just wondering what you thought about the 
finale. No, that's a good point about kind of because I, I I knew about the Christmas store. I feel like I've mm -hmm. always known about that Christmas store. I don't know why. Um, so as, as soon as they, you know, kind of evoked that, I knew what they were doing, but not everybody does. So it would have made sense to kind of, like you said, tie some of those loose ends together. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I think it could have been wrapped up in a slightly more satisfying way. You mentioned Dexter, which is returning after uh, how how long? Why why do we need a new variant on Dexter? Well, need is a strong word. Um, I think that <laughs> there was a feeling because the show ended so on such a poor note in a, in a lot of fans' minds that the original showrunner I think wanted to come back and sort of revisit it because he had left after I want to say season four. And I have to say I, th I thought it was. I've seen a few of the the new ones, and I and I thought it was pretty pretty intriguing. Um, the idea that he's you know changed his identity and is trying to forge this life in in kind of upstate New York, very isolated. And as you may remember, you know Dexter doesn't just kill anyone randomly; he kills other killers. It's sort of his weird way right. of meeting out justice. You are a serial killer. You love that you're getting away with murder, and you cannot wait to kill again. I might still be a monster. Monster. He'd managed to avoid being around killers um, until <laughs> until this starts. Um, so you can kind of <laughs> guess where it's going. It's following a lot of the same formulas that the original one followed, but but I, I'm intrigued enough to see you know want to see where it's going. Now speaking of formulas, uh, Succession. I was a big fan of uh, the first two episodes of Succession, and I've been following the third ep the third season. Uh, what? Where are you on succession? When you, uh, when you say the first two episodes, you mean the first two episodes? Uh, first two seasons. First two seasons. I mean, oh, okay. Sorry, pardon sorry. me. I think it's great. I thought the first two episodes of the season were a little bit treading water. It was mm. like two episodes of everybody being on the phone with each other and asking yeah. who was on whose side over and over again. But then with the third episode where the feds come in, I felt like, okay, things are starting to happen now. And the most recent episode, uh, I don't know if you're if you're totally caught up. Uh, no, and I'll tell you why. Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Okay. They lost me after the first two episodes. Of I this just season? felt like I felt like, well, here we go again. It's uh, you know, what kid are they going to pick this time? I felt like after the first two episodes of Succession, it was the same old stuff all over again. So, shall I get the same advice from you? You should, yeah. I mean, because I, I felt the way that way also, and then kept going. And episode three was where it really took off for me in terms of this season. Okay. Um, and it's you know, I know that we make these determinations for whatever reason based on runtime, but I'm sorry, this especially some of these episodes. This is a comedy. This is not a drama. <laughs> uh, especially the one that aired on Sunday was very very funny. Um, uh, okay. All right. I've been watching the morning show. I am completely oh, wow. caught up. <laughs> I've watched everything except the season two finale, which has not dropped yet. Is that is this a high class drama, a low class soap opera, or a uh, a secret comedy? What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It is you know uh, soapy, goofy, nonsensical television that thinks it's a prestige drama and no one has told it that it isn't uh yeah this season is so it's 
it's it's so crazy that I can't <laughs> that I almost so recommend it to people because you can't even put it into words. You just have to be like, just watch this. I can't I can't help you understand what this is unless you see it. Um, I know there's a lot of yelling. I you know, and then and then when you get when I get tired of the yelling, they throw some outrageous plot point in that that uh, I wasn't even expecting. Yeah, the 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 Italy episode, the the ending of which I yes. will not. Spoil. Yes, but it's just nonstop. It's like what? <laughs> like nothing, and it makes sense. <laughs> so, so what did you say your recommendation is? It's so bad, it's good. No, I didn't even say that. <laughs> I, I just, it's so insane that I just feel like you need to see it just to understand how ludicrous it is. <laughs> I mean, it's very watchably ludicrous. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, wh where are you on movies these days? What, what do you think of the movies that that were they're coming out, and and what do you think of award season? Um, I'm frustrated with the entire thing, <laughs> and I and I'll tell you why. I very naively believed that going through this pandemic, we would learn some lessons, specifically <laughs> about how to do things more efficiently in a way that allows for more equitable access to things and that also allows us to just like not have to you know drive everywhere go everywhere because i i guess i thought we were trying to save the environment i don't know and i, I realize this is a high class problem but the access to screeners this year for four year considerations is worse than it's ever been ever like people are just not sending us stuff and they want us to see things in the theater including netflix um yeah yeah which it just boggles my mind. So there's still a lot of things that I have not seen. I've seen some things, but a lot of things I have not, and I'm not even sure I'll be able to see it all. Well, heretofore, they would send out, I just, I remember just uh, dreading the, the mailman or the, or the note that uh, there's a package for you from UPS, because you just get stack after stack and, and uh, two or three copies of the same uh, DVD. I'm finding that uh, if I have a neighborhood theater, like, and I live near the Avalon Theater, I'll go down there and watch something in the matinee, and, and I don't have to pay to park, I don't have to drive, I can walk down there, uh, and it's actually cheaper and more convenient, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not with a big crowd of people. Mm -hmm. So under those circumstances, I saw Spencer with uh, mm -hmm. Kristen Stewart. Have you seen that? I have, yes. Uh, <laughs> where do you stand on Spencer? I mean, I thought she gave a great performance in it. Uh -huh. uh, I know there's people who still think of her as the, you know, the girl from yeah, Twilight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think she's at this point more than established that she's more than that. Right, yeah. But I, I thought it was a really fine performance from her. I, I know it's a movie that's not going to be for everybody because it's not, you know, it's not linear storytelling. It's really just living inside her head for this, you know, two to three day period, which is kind of, I mean, it's in a different way what Pablo Lorraine also did with, with Jackie. I just found it such a hard watch. I mean, she's so unsympathetic and you want to be sympathetic to her. And and I thought it was a, a great performance of a movie that's just hard to watch. And I think people may go see it if she gets nominated for an Oscar and come out of there thinking, what's wrong with these award people? You know, why why did I see that? I I 
I, I am not a fan. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I would not, yeah, I would not be surprised if people have that response. Mm -hmm. I tell you what I am a fan of, and I just watched it at home on uh, Netflix, and that's Passing with mm -hmm. Tesha Thompson and uh, Ruth Nega. Did you at all manage to see that? I haven't seen it yet, no. I really recommend it. I highly recommend it. And it's on Netflix based on a 1929 novella about a light-skinned Black woman living in New York in 1929 who runs into a friend from her childhood who is passing as white. And uh, Rebecca Hall, the actress, directed it shot it in beautiful black and white and it's this slow dreamy story that comes to a uh, a shocker of an ending and it's uh it's quite a lot to think about i think it's one of the most artful things uh of the year passing mm -hmm. and it's right on netflix so uh if you when you see it um mm -hmm. maybe i have a good uh reputation with you of saying I think I know something you would like. So if you see it, uh, let me know what you think. No, I will, I will definitely check that out. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Uh, what are you looking forward to at uh, award season? One thing I actually have seen that's coming out soon is King Richard, um, mm. which is the story of of Venus and Serena Williams, but but really right. their dad and how right. he basically trained them into, into being tennis champions. Yeah, that's um, going to be on HBO Max, I think. It is. It's coming out in theaters yeah. and, and HBO Max simultaneously, as all the Warner movies have been. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I saw that. It was the one thing I managed to see at Middleburg Film Festival recently. And mm -hmm. um, I think it's a real kind of crowd pleaser. I think all of the performances in it are terrific, not just Will Smith. I think everybody in it is very, very strong. A couple things, though. Number one is that it's still weird to me that a Venus and Serena movie is about the dad. <laughs> and uh -huh, maybe uh -huh. that's because they're still, you know, their careers are not over yet. I mean, they're both executive producers on this. So, you know, clearly they uh, were were in favor of, of telling the story in this way. Um, and hopefully someday there will be a movie that's just about them. And then the second thing that was a little bit strange is I just have to believe that some of the racism that they confronted from white people was much worse than what they show in the movie. And I, I feel like the worst worst thing that happens to Richard is that he gets he gets beaten up at one point, but it's by another uh, group of black people in Compton. And for some reason, that just didn't quite sit well with me. I was like, make the white people worse, because <laughs> I have to believe they were they're not great, but I, I have to believe they were treated with even less dignity than than what we see in the movie. But that being said, I I, uh, I did enjoy it, and um, and I think a lot of people will. They don't make very good many good like tennis movies. There's a lot of good tennis documentaries. Yeah, yeah. There are not many good tennis movies, and this is a good tennis movie. Uh, there was that one tennis movie, uh, and of course I'm blanking out on the title. I was telling Lou I'm going to change the name of this podcast to uh, what was the name of that movie again? <laughs> who was that? Who was in it? <laughs> what was it about? <laughs> this couple is about two years ago. Two the one about Billie Jean King? Ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe. I, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. There were tennis mind. rackets in it. <laughs> uh, I saw Belfast and mm -hmm. was uh, fairly impressed. I had a lot, a lot of trouble getting into it because of the uh, brogue, the dialogue. It's Kenneth Branagh 
uh, and his uh, remembrance of childhood in Northern Ireland in 1969 and 70, when uh, the troubles uh, broke out or, you know, re reconfigured the Protestants versus the Catholics. And, uh, and it's a lovely story of a nine-year-old who loved his family and had a, a warm childhood and had a childhood in spite of the fact that this uh, civil war was uh, raging right in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, black, it's shot in black and white. Uh, I think that's probably one of the uh, contenders this year at the Oscars. I think, I think they showed that at Middleburg. Did you uh, see that? They did, and no, I did. I did not get to see it there, but yes, they they definitely showed it there. What did you see at Middleburg? I only saw King Richard. I intended to go back, and then I just uh-huh. wasn't feeling well, and only was there for opening night. <laughs> so that was the opening night movie, though. Well, that's that's worth something. I watched the French Dispatch. Yes, so did I. <laughs> and I, I did you go to a screening or to a theater? I did neither because oh. I was able to finagle a link because I wanted oh. to watch it. This uh-huh. is why it's a lie when they tell you that there are no links available. Oh, they exist. It's yeah. just who they yeah. feel like giving them yeah. to. Yeah. Um, I was able to get one because I wanted to watch it before I talked to Henry Winkler and they were kind enough to, oh, to help yeah. me in that regard. Yeah. Although he was hardly in it. He was hardly <laughs> in it. <laughs> but I felt better having seen it. I uh, was out of town and went to a matinee at a theater. It was me and six other people. You know, uh, Bob Mondello was on this podcast several weeks ago, and he's, and you may recall that Bob started his career as a theater promotion guy. Mm-hmm. He worked for the Roth Theater cha- chain. Oh, I remember that. And he said at the time, you know, if you go to the matinee, there's hardly anybody in there, and there's good circulation in the theater, and it's uh, it's healthy and not crowded, and and I am finding that that was uh, good advice. So I saw the French Dispatch, and although uh, you know it's Wes Anderson, it's uh, a New Yorker style magazine edited by uh, Bill Murray. It's three shaggy dog stories. I found that some of the stories occasionally would run out of gas, and I'd kind of my attention would sort of of uh, fall and then something would happen and I'd get right back to it and I sat there for the entire thing and then I sat through all of the credits which featured uh, uh, covers of imaginary issues of this imaginary magazine and I just had the best time sitting (laughs) by myself at a matinee out of town and it's probably not that good of a movie I just loved it. How about you? I, I did like it. I, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. No, no. Um, I, you know, I, I, I would agree that not all three of the stories like held up uh, to the same scrutiny. And, and I just generally prefer when he tells one story that I can kind of invest in. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I know a lot of people find him too precious. And the preciousness is what I like. The, the yeah. ridiculous attention to detail is what I appreciate about his films. Well, that's what gets you to the theater. That's what makes you uh, get out of your uh, your comfort zone and go somewhere at a specific time, mm-hmm. and uh, pay money and and sit there. So, uh, so there is that. 
What do you think the effect of award season will be as we get into it? Meaning? Meaning uh, how important is award season going to be this year? Uh, <laughs> I mean, important to who? I think it's still important, you know, to people within the industry. Uh-huh. Is it important to the average film goer? Absolutely not. Yeah. I wow. think it matters less and less. Wow. Wow. Do you have any predictions for award season? What should we look forward to? I mean, it seems like everybody's talking about Belfast, um, Mm -hmm. which I, again, I still have to see, but in, you know, from what I know about it and you know better than I having actually seen it, it just, it, it seems like the kind of movie that Oscar voters would like. You know, I was thinking Roma as I went in there Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, it's of that, uh, that genre. Uh, and that's not a bad movie to be compared to Roma. Sure. But there's also Although, still some things we haven't seen. You know, West Side Story we haven't seen yet. Right. Um, the Lady Gaga movie. Would be a Best Picture contender necessarily, but maybe. So the, there's there's still some stuff that could be, uh, you know, really a contender. And what's that Lady Gaga movie, House of Gucci? House of Gucci. I can't wait. It's I'm, I've heard it's like terrible in the best way. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I, I I read somebody speculating that this could be her moonstruck moment. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, no! but I am fair. I subscribe to unconventional punishment. That's not what I heard at all. <laughs> I'm going to fold that into my... Uh, my uh, information file. Yeah, I want to see Nightmare Alley just because I love the old Tyrone Power movie. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know what they can do, and uh, and you know, I don't know how how they can update it, but I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. No, me too. So, I do also. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it's time for us to take a little break for uh, Hound Radio and talk to Lou Katz, who makes this show possible on Hound Radio. Art, you know, we love the hounds. We love all kinds of breeds of dogs, but we also have a soft spot in our hearts for cats, too. (laughs) Believe it or not. Yes. Really? Yes. And here's the latest from Cat Corner on Hound Radio. We'll be right back. Hound Radio now provides equal time to our feline-loving friends. Welcome to Cat Corner with Lisa Sinrod. One of the most convincing signs your cat loves you is if Kitty snoozes on your lap or anywhere against your body. As a natural hunter, a cat doesn't like to feel vulnerable especially while asleep. By sleeping on you, your cat is demonstrating love and trust. Other signs of love include those crazy headbutts or gentle meows in your presence. If a cat shows you their tummy, that is also a sign of affection. Cats interpret eye contact with a stranger, whether feline or human, as threatening. If your kitty is comfortable looking you in the eye, it means she or he has lovingly accepted you as one of its own. Next week, we'll explore whether you can teach your cat to do tricks. I'm Lisa Sinrod for Hound Radio. You know, speaking of cats, uh, I stumbled onto the electrical life of Lewis Wayne. Have you heard about that? It's uh, I've heard of it. Benedict Cumberbatch. It's on Amazon. 
And uh, Louis uh, Wayne was this uh, bizarre uh, artist uh, in London at the turn of the of the 20th century who uh, allegedly popularized cats. And he was sort of, uh, he might have been manic depressive or uh, even mentally ill. So his pictures are kind of psychedelic and he ended his life in a, an asylum, but uh, he loved cats and he got something from cats. And, and you know, I, uh, I kind of liked it. You're a cat man. Cat man. A whole cat world. They will turn blue and communicate with us in our own language. Did you say that they would turn blue? Yes, of course. Wow. It's an Amazon movie. Do you, and I'm wondering, is there such a thing as an Amazon movie, which is, okay, you know, I can watch this. It'll keep me uh, engaged for a little while, but I, I, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. That's like a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> not just Amazon. <laughs> okay. All right. I stand corrected. Uh, since I talked to you last, uh, Dean Stockwell passed away. Remember him? Yeah, of course. I just got one thing to say about him. When he uh, lip-synced in dreams on, uh, on that, uh, that wild movie, it was Blue Velvet. Remember oh, him right. doing in dreams and he had makeup on and mm -hmm. uh he, <laughs> he's my kind of guy any thoughts on uh, dean stockwell no i just i mean i just this, echo what you what you said he had a, a really yeah. great long career and i think you know a lot of people maybe know him best for quantum leap um which was yeah later down the line but he started as a as a you know a child actor what was it the boy with the green hair or something like yeah. that hey grab right lad I've got green hair. You have what, lad? Green hair. That's nice. Hated the business. As long as he did, it's really impressive. Got back in. I think he was a friend of Dennis Hopper's, and he got into that whole thing. Uh, anyway, I salute uh, Blue Velvet and Dean Stockwell. When I saw that, I just about fell out of my chair. Hey, you have some music thoughts. Did you see the Adele thing the other night? I did. I, I wrote a review of it, as a matter of fact. Uh -huh. Did you What'd watch you it? What do you think? Did you watch uh, it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was. Do you it think was, I'm the demographic? <laughs> I don't know, man. My my mother-in-law likes her. She's. Oh she's, yeah. <laughs> read uh, about it. Uh, she. It, it was a little strange in that you know she was doing this concert from Griffith Observatory. Yeah. And absolutely beautiful setting. Literally almost everyone who was in the audience was a famous person. So there were just all these crowd shots to like, oh, there's Leonardo DiCaprio mm -hmm. and there's Ellen DeGeneres. And, and I just, I think one of the things people like about Adele, aside from the fact that she has a beautiful voice and, and writes great songs, is that she seems very kind of down to earth. And she did come across that way, but I just wish that they hadn't staged the show quite in that manner. I wish they had like maybe just invited a bunch of Adele fans or something. Um, you lost a bunch of weight. She did. She did. I'm down with that. My body has been objectified my entire career. Mm. I'm either too big, I'm either too small. Like, you know, I'm either hot or I'm either not. Like, whatever. I never looked up to anyone because of their body. You know, I never admired anyone because they had the same hair color as me or the same style as me or, you know, whatever. So, or were the same weight as you? Never. 
Never, ever, ever. And when you were heavier, you were fine. I was, and I was body positive then, and I'm body positive now. She said she, a lot of it was just that um, lifting weights, especially, was something that like helped her get out of her own head. She wasn't necessarily setting out to lose as much weight as she did, but she can she can bench 160 pounds now. She said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so her album, which is very much talked about, uh, is is coming out this week. Um, Taylor Swift just put out her version of Red, which has been a huge mm. talking point um, in the culture. And Silk Sonic just put out um, a new record. It's just, there's, just seems like everything, everything is happening. All the movies are coming out, all the albums right. are coming out, all the TV shows are coming out. I'm drowning over here. <laughs> Taylor Swift uh, was on Saturday Night Live. seem to fit right into what they're trying to do. Are you still watching Saturday Night Live? I do. I did. I missed it because I was busy with Vulture Festival stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, ordinarily, I watch it every week. Um, so there you are. So uh, let's let's wrap up with uh, your recommendations for the weekend. What do you like? I am going to recommend, uh, again, Yellow Jackets, which I already mentioned. And then this Friday, another one of those um, New York Times Presents documentaries is going to show up on Hulu. Um, this is the same series that did the, the two documentaries on Britney Spears. Um, and this week's documentary is about is uh, about the Janet Jackson Super Bowl. Um, oh, yeah. Really fascinating, um, especially the way that they kind of go back to the beginning of Janet Jackson's career and the, and the extent to which her body and, and talking about her body has, mm -hmm, has always been... Mm -hmm an issue uh and I, I just i watched it last night and i just i still can't get over how brief that whole thing like you see a nipple for maybe a second mm. maybe and it became such a big deal it's so ridiculous <laughs> um wow. and i think that very clear in this documentary the term wardrobe malfunction has been burned into our cultural consciousness someone thought this would be a good idea and it backfired i know it's hulu and new york times presents Mm -hmm. And is this Janet Jackson the the uh, title? Um, I think it's I think it's um called Malfunction is the name of uh -huh. the, mm -hmm. the episode. Wow. Well, I'm going to recommend to uh, anyone with uh, Netflix that they watch Passing with Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's one of the movies of the year and uh, is certainly worth a watch. And I suppose. I'll be in there uh, this weekend watching the second season finale of the morning show, <laughs> but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> May as well finish. Come this far. You know, I for for a while I just got to where it exhausted me, so I just went away. And then we were sitting around the other night, and I started running them. And my wife, Gina, was in there and she said, God, what is this? And then a little bit later, it was, well, this is a little better, isn't it? <laughs> and then, <laughs> when is the finale? <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess they know what they're doing. Jen, uh, I certainly admire your work on Vulture and for New York uh, Magazine. And, um, you know, we miss you every week, but I know you're busy. And so it's always a great treat when you can spend some time with us. 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. And maybe I'll see you at a screening. Maybe if I can get myself there. Next week, we're going to look at award season with uh, Jason Fraley of WTOP and Oliver Jones of uh, People Magazine and several other publications uh, in Los Angeles. Definitely looking forward to hearing from those guys. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.